Hey there, folks, and welcome to a very special edition of Hardly Heroes, sort of like a hybrid. Uh, we're here. It is July 25th. Guys, follow me on Twitter at IamCalebB. Follow Eddie at E-D-D-Y-C-8-5. Twitter is EC underscore hero. Instagram is EC HeroCast. Gmail is EC HeroCast at gmail.com. Mainline drops every Wednesday night. Uh, we've got Batman Begins dropping this week. Oh, yeah. Big one. Mm-hmm. Big one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, probably our nicest episode so far. Um, Ooh, <coughs> I, think so. I see what you did there. Yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad you did. Um, we're here to review something very special, wouldn't you say? Oh, very, very special. Our first foreign film. <laughs> <laughs> Not only is it foreign, this movie was made in North Korea. Oh, yeah. The, the old DPRK. Mm-hmm. Man. But Real quick it, look into the capsule, your, your, uh, oh, number yeah. one song, your number one song in 1985. Yeah, we don't, we don't know the month it was released, so <clears throat> I don't know. It was, uh, let me see here. Gotta look that up. I'm sorry. This will take just a minute. But your your champions in wrestling at the time for the NWA and for the WWF were Kim Il-sung. No. Mm-hmm. And your number one song, Say You, Say Me, by Kim Il-sung. No. Oh. No, it was actually Hulk Hogan for WWF and uh, NWA, I don't know, probably Harley Race be my guess uh 85 it may have actually been flair i mean i'm sure it was it changed hands a few times we can go with july of 85 since it's july right now yeah and the movie came out in july of 98 yeah in in japan in north korea it came out in 85 yeah sometime (laughs) at some point it's almost like very little is public in north korea um, yeah, Ric Flair was actually the champion for all of 1985, and most of 84. Oh, good for him. He had, it actually, over a two-year run from May of 84 to July of 86. Hmm. I, I can only imagine if those guys got into the same federation that that would be the match I would absolutely book. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, can you imagine Flair, not doing it? <laughs> that'd be wild. That'd be wild. Especially if one or both guys was like, I don't want to put this guy over. Yeah. Uh, so, 85, let's see. I was, uh, in July of 85, rather, I was being uh, fed by my parents um, and pooping and peeing in a diaper. So, that's what I was up to. Uh, my parents were married for three years at the time. And... Still without children at the time. <clears throat> so you did not exist. <laughs> ne- neither me nor my three older brothers. No. Well, that was easy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure enough. <clears throat> so uh, I would ask for facts and figures, but oh, how it... can you find those? Well, look, I didn't pick the movie because it's a cinematic masterpiece. I picked the movie because of the backstory behind it. Now... Mm-hmm. You, you did not read anything about the backstory, I hope. 
Um, no, not until after I got like a minute into a YouTube video after I saw the movie, but no, nothing huge. Okay. Well, I am going to explain the backstory of the movie, which should be a movie in itself, but, you know, the last time America made a movie that was negative towards North Korea resulted in a giant hack, so I don't think they'll try that again. I mean, they should. It's an easy Mm -hmm. target, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, but yes, I, I put this in the category of like the Ed Wood movie or Disaster Artist where it was like the mo- the the creation of the movie is more insane than the movie. Yeah. So, here is the the backstory behind the creation of Pulgasari, which again, you can watch on YouTube for free and don't feel bad because it's uh it's not really bound by US copyright laws because it's you're, in you're... You're stealing from a fascist. It's not a big deal. Yes, I mean, it, it, right here on the Wikipedia page, produced by Kim Jong-il. So, don't yeah. feel bad. Yeah. So, at some point in the 70s or so, uh, Kim Jong-il, he was appointed as the head of, like, the media propaganda department or whatever for North Korea. And he's a big movie buff, and he decided to make movies to uh, instill, like, propaganda you know, as uh, as you might expect. And it worked for a while. Most of the movies are pretty much the same deal. Anti-America, anti-Japanese, whatever. But uh, Kim Jong-il actually owned, I read, between fifteen and 20,000 movies. <laughs> I don't know if he watched yeah. them all, but uh, he especially loved James Bond and Godzilla. <laughs> so it got to the point... Where Kim was like, you know, my movies are just not nearly as good as these. So, I mean, obviously the movies, like a James Bond movie, is not a propaganda piece to make a country look... I mean, well, I guess it could be. makes England look good. But you know the difference. (laughs) Um, So, and he's like, well, it's not, you know, stories about poor Koreans being taken over by evil Japanese people. So... That's kind of what all my movies are about. Also, my actors aren't very good because nobody taught them how to act because, we, you know, obvious reasons. Uh, in fact, I did some research. There was one guy who was an American. He was a U.S. military defector. He was oh. basically the go-to to play the evil American in all of their movies. And in reality, he's, of course, not an actor, just a guy who served in the military and is a traitor. Um and funny enough, I watched a documentary on him where he, they give him an interview and he praises North Korea. And he's like, you know, uh, there's a lot of bad things that go around. But, you know, I, I go in the, the the food line every day and there, I get plenty of food. So it's not bad here at all. And I'm like, <laughs> did you just hear yourself? You wait in the food line. Like, that is bad. <laughs> like, Yes. I mean, I guess I did today. I went to the grocery store and waited in the checkout line. But... I got to buy whatever I want. I mean, it's like, dude. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. You're if you're happy waiting in a food line, more power to you. So actually, less power to you. Well, yeah, that's true. But yeah, he's he he was an actor, and he of course he's not a trained actor. So enter South Korean director Shin Sang Ok. Probably didn't pronounce that right. I'll just call him Shin. 
who <laughs> he was a very accomplished filmmaker, and he his ex wife Choi Yun Hee, just gonna call her Choi. Uh-huh. Uh, she's a big time South Korean actor. She won like the South Korean version of the Best Actress Oscar, so big deal. She's so, like a South in Meryl Streep. Yeah. Now her career was a little on the, uh, you know, on the downturn, but she got a movie offer to go help make and act in a movie in Hong Kong. So she went there. She's befriended by some people. Uh, thought they were be the ones that were going to make the movie, but. In actuality, they were like North Korean spies and kidnapped her and stashed her on a cargo ship headed for Pyongyang. So, we're off to a great start. Yes. So, uh, Shin was, uh, you know, he and his ex-wife were still close. um, And he went to Hong Kong looking for his ex-wife. And he got a lead. And, of course, the lead was from more North Korean spies. And he was also kidnapped. (laughs) And Goodness. yeah, so he had actually tried to escape twice, but was caught both times. And he spent five years in a prison camp going through re-education. Um, whereas Kim Jong-il was like whining and dining Shin and like trying to re-educate her this way. Uh, it is worth mentioning that uh, a lot of experts say that North Korean prison camps are worse than the Nazi prison camps. So. There's some perspective for you. In fact, I read there's like this position they make you sit in. Like, I, don't, I forget what it was called. Something like uh, this. The, Missionary. But even worse, the uh, like the pose of shame or something where you have to sit with your legs crossed. It was it was called Indian style when I was a kid, but I don't think you can call it that anymore. <laughs> Guardian style. Um, yeah, there we go. Guardian style. Yeah, or crisscross. What is it? Yeah, crisscross applesauce, that's it. Uh, You had to sit like that and with your head, like, bowed down and stay like that without moving for 16 hours or else they would beat you. So, sounds not great. I mean, after, like, I tried it for, like, two minutes and my neck started to hurt. And I'm like, to hell with this. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, after five years, he was like, I've had enough of this. Uh, I'll do whatever you guys want. And they reunited him with Kim, who he didn't even know was alive. And, uh, sorry, they reunited him with, um, Ch- uh, his, Choi. His, yeah, Choi, his ex-wife. And Kim basically was like, okay, you guys are remarried now. <laughs> he just announced it. Uh, which I guess, you know, he would have the power to do, I guess. I mean, he's a government figure. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if like... Could could Joe Biden just say you guys are married now? Is that would that actually work? Ooh, I may have to try that sometime. I mean, I know like I know ministers and everything have to like marry you, but it's like the government could care less what your religious ceremony is. But it's like mm-hmm. once you go to the yeah. courthouse, like that's when it's official. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's not the power isn't coming from the priest; it's coming from the state. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering if like a government person just be like, yeah, you're married. I don't know. I mean, definitely in North Korea because they have all the power. But So, yeah, he's like, hey, they've married, and Kim Jong-il announces to the world, or his country, he's like, hey, everyone, look, 
these big celebrities from South Korea have defected and they now agree with us and they have come to North Korea and they're going to help make movies and they're on our side now and they've turned on South Korea. So, big gold propaganda there. <laughs> so, Shin went on to make seven movies for Kim Jong-il, most of which featured his wife, including a movie called Salt, which actually did win Best Picture at a Moscow Film Festival. Uh, there's another movie called Runaway, which uh, one of the scenes in it had a train that needed to blow up, and instead of using a model, Kim Jong-il blew up an actual train. Of course. What a... <laughs> just, how, just, it's like, like a North Korean James Cameron. Yeah, just a complete waste of money there. Yeah. Hope, I mean, I know, hopefully it was a cool scene. I, how could it not be, I guess? Yeah. Like I said, North Korean James Cameron. Yeah. Now we get to the movie Pulgasari, which did not feature Choi, uh, but was Shin's final movie in North Korea and the biggest budget of them all. And, you know, Kim liked monster movies and wanted to make a monster movie. And he, they actually brought in the people of Toho, uh, who do ma- who made the Godzilla movies. So they brought them in from Japan. Now, to be fair to Toho, they were lied to, thinking this was a movie made by a Chinese company. So they did not know that they were partaking in a... North Korean uh, project with people held against their will, but because uh, I like Toho, so they were just lied to. But um, and I I can't imagine they would have taken the job because uh, you know North Korea and Japan really 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 hate each other. So with that said, let's dive into the movie, and then afterwards I'll tell you the fate of Shin and Choi. All right, sweet. Okay, so. The movie takes place, uh, like, I don't know, a few hundred years ago, 1700s maybe, I guess. And, <laughs> yeah, and there's a small village in, uh, in Korea. At the time, it was just Korea. No north and south yet. And there's a king who rules the area and treats all the people badly. And there's a blacksmith and his daughter and his daughter's fiance, who I'm just going to call, his name is, like, Indy. But I'm just going to call him North Korea Rambo. Hello. He he wore like the white vest. He had like the Rambo hair, and he always wore the red bandana, like tied around his forehead. So North Korea Rambo. Plus, he did like the scene in the beginning with the sword, and I'm like, this guy, this is this is this is the guy. This is my favorite character in the movie already. <laughs> now now here's a guy. <laughs> but. He, that, that actually is going to change. I, I'll have a new favorite character by the end of the movie. But, yeah, North Korea Rambo. He was planning on leading an attack on the king and stole a bunch of weapons. But I guess, like, word got out or something. And the king and his guards stormed the village and they attacked everyone. Now, unfortunately, North Korea Rambo is one of the ones taken prisoner. So the prisoners are tortured and the king demands to know where the stolen weapons are. And North Korea Rambo... He leads all the prisoners on a hunger strike because the blacksmith won't eat. So he's like, if he won't eat, then none of us will eat. And they're like, yeah. So uh, his fiance, Amy, I guess, A-M-I, Amy, sure, uh, goes to the prison and begs to see her dad, blacksmith. And Amy manages to, like, just the closest she can get is, like, she just throws rice into his cell, <laughs> which is kind of yeah. funny. And it's weird. Like, blacksmith won't eat. So North Korea Rambo, like I said, he tells everybody else not to eat, but it's like 
I didn't get that because it's like the guards were feeding you, so I'm not sure what the what the deal was, why they needed to go on a hunger strike, but uh, whatever. Yeah, don't know. So the guards, they attempt to feed the blacksmith, um, but I guess because the king is a dick, they don't want to starve, or they starve. Uh, anyway, blacksmith uses the rice and, like, mushes it together yeah. in, into, like, this little figurine, which is incredibly detailed from being made of just rice and dirt. Yeah, I would say so. I guess he's a blacksmith, maybe you know, but that that was pretty uh, impressive. Um, I would agree. So then the blacksmith prays to the gods for his last wish before he dies to save the people, and the blacksmith dies, and Amy gets the little figurine, and they go home, and Amy does some sewing and pricks her finger, and then the blood gets on the little figurine, which makes it come to life. Okay. No! Yeah. So the tiny monster starts, like, eating the metals, uh, sewing needles. Um, and then in the middle of the night, he eats, like, the door lock. And he yeah, gets bigger. He loves, he loves metal. Yeah, he gets bigger with every piece of metal he eats. And Amy and her brother name it Pugasari. And yeah. elsewhere, some old woman comes in saying that they're going to convict North Korea Rambo as a criminal. So we gotta we gotta go rescue North Korea Rambo. I agree. Can we? Oh, by the way, if you want to short it, shorten it, you can call him Noko Rambo. Okay. So Noko Rambo is set to be beheaded uh, just as he they they pull the blade back. Pulgasari jumps on the sword and like eats a chunk out of it, and <laughs> then he attacks the executioner. And someone tells the king about Pulgasari, and he doesn't believe it. So they go to see for themselves, and at this point. Pulgasari is about four feet tall, and they yeah. try to attack him, but the swords just like break off of his body, and then Pulgasari then eats the uh, sword or eats yeah swords and farming tools, and um, we cut to the king. He's torturing this old woman, and Amy sees this and tells Noko Rambo and his small army who are seen training. So the villagers charge the king's city, and the king calls upon this new warrior, the, this general, who then becomes my favorite character. We'll get to later. Um, <laughs> the general. I love the general. Um, so yeah. does Shaq. <laughs> but yeah, he calls on the general uh, to help lead the army against uh, Noko Rambo and the bandits. I kept calling them the bandits. <laughs> um, but yes, Noko Rambo is rallying the troops. And they march further into the capital, but the king's troops are marching up a hill. And the village, sorry, the bandits uh, drop boulders and logs on them. And some troops capture Amy, but Pulgasari makes his return uh, to the movie and scares them off. And now he's like six feet tall. I don't know, six foot five maybe. And yeah. Pulgasari runs into battle with the rebels, which I thought uh, looked kind of funny. He's just like a normal-sized person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they defeat the army, and they feed him all the iron of the defeated enemies, and now he's like 50 feet tall. Yeah, he's huge. He's huge. Um, so, time for the big battle. And the king somehow manages to kidnap Amy again. It's not really shown, so just go with it. <laughs> she's, she's pretty low on the... Uh, 
the uh, the Jenny oh, yeah. Blake standard. Yes, sir. Yeah. She got captured twice in like a fifteen minute span. Yeah, like she's right down there with Chase Meridian. Yeah. Well, she does pull her weight later on, but uh, fair enough. So the king manages. Yeah, he captures Amy again, and the new general demands the surrender of the bandits, or else Amy gets killed. And they tell Pulgasaru to get inside this big cage they built. And they set the cage on fire. And I wrote, that is not actually a terrible plan. It's, it's pretty good. So, yeah. General, favorite character, he's pretty smart. So, cage burns. Uh, they assume Pulgasaru is dead. And they're ready to attack the bandits. But no, Pulgasaru is not dead. He just pissed him off. And the king's army tries to escape in these boats, but Polgasari tips them over. And because he's still so hot from the fire, he gets into the water, and the water starts to boil, and the soldiers all burn to death. And that was pretty cool. So yeah. the, the, the bandits, they get ready to storm the palace again. But the general has another plan. And this time he's going to trap Polgasari in a hidden pit. He's going to just walk over it, and it's going to be covered in leaves, and he's going to fall in. <laughs> And it works. <laughs> oh my god! I gotta say, this general—he's a smart guy. Yeah. He's—he's—he's he's, he's two for two on his plans. It just—they uh, just backfire. Yes. And then he brings in this wacky female witch doctor who tries to exercise the spirit of the blacksmith out of Pulgasari. Yeah. And That's... this also works. Yeah. <laughs> and he Pulgasari just kind of falls over. And then they just bury him in rocks. So, General then leads his army to attack the bandits. And the King's army easily win. And Noko Rambo is hanged, so he's out of the movie. <laughs> yeah. But then, the King's army is not won yet, because Amy runs down to the pit and cuts her wrist. And then the blood trickles down all the way and hits Bulgasari and awakens him. So, this is General... Man, he's got to come up with something else. Like, he's already had two good plans. Yeah. But now he needs a third one. And he's got a third one. He's got cannons. <laughs> and the king is impressed by these cannons. And he's like, we'd be fine even if there was 104 Pulkasaris. Which is such a random number. But, I don't know. It's like, would 105 be too many? But, turns out one's going to be too many. So the bandits and Pulgasari, they head into battle with some great green screen effects. <laughs> and uh, Pulgasari uh, just catch, uh, he just, they shoot the cannonball at him, and he just catches it in his mouth and spits it back out at him. It was just looking very goofy. And uh, at this point, the general, look, the general's kind of like um, Robert E. Lee in that, and not, not, I'm not advocating what Robert E. Lee fought for, obviously, but the South won more battles than they probably deserved to because they were undertrained and outgunned and outmanned. But Robert E. Lee was a great general. He was a good strategist. So they yeah. got they got a few wins, probably more than they should have gotten. Mm-hmm. But um, that's the case of the general, you know? It's like he had all these great plans, but when you got a like a 100-foot-tall monster who is impervious to everything, it's uh, it's tough. So, oh well. And then, uh, so Pulgasari breaches the army and their cannons, and the general and the king are trapped inside of the palace, 
And the general gets crushed by this falling pillar. So R.I.P. to a, a real one. Yes, R.I.P. to a real one. <laughs> and then the king, the king like hid under this big sheet, and then Pulgasari just steps on the sheet and kills him. So, all right. And then the people all celebrate the death of the evil king and live happily ever after. Or do they? They don't. Well, still in Korea, so no. <laughs> Well, Pulgasari is still hungry for iron, and he munches down some of the wrecked palace, and then eats all the villagers' farming tools, and the villagers then have to make a big offering to Pulgasari. And then Amy talks to him, and she's like, hey, if you eat all our tools, we can't grow food for ourselves. And then Pulgasari just, like, falls asleep on her. <laughs> and then Amy realizes, well... We're just going to have to keep eating metal because he's not going to stop. And we'll have to conquer other places. And we're no better than the king if we do that. So I don't want to do that. So she has a plan. She starts, she goes back to the village. She rings this giant bell and then crawls inside the bell. And Pulgasai wakes up. And he's like, ooh, that bell. That's a pretty big piece of metal. I'm going to eat that bell. And then he eats it with Amy inside. And then Pulgasari just makes this goofy facial expression with his jaw quivering and his eyes are like darting back and forth and his ears are twitching. And then he turns to stone and breaks apart. Now they yep. all have, live happily ever after, except Amy. Yep. She's dead. Yep. And then we see like baby Pulgasari turn into a blue light and enter into the body of Amy. The end. I don't know what the hell that was, but it happened. So that was... Good old Pulgasari. Um, now. Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't have much to say, but I mean, the, the story of how this was made is much more interesting. Well, that's why I picked it. But Now, a lot of people, myself included, think the movie is a metaphor for North Korea and that Shin tried to slip it under the radar. And Kim Jong-il just figured, oh, this is a cool monster movie, and maybe the monster represents capitalism or something. And... I mean, the movie did get great reviews in North Korea. <laughs> so, but, you know, here's the deal. Here, here's a history lesson for you young people. So Korea was divided after World War II because Japan occupied all of it. And Japan did not treat the Koreans well. That's why they hate them. But after America won World War II, Japan left. And because of the Cold War, the Soviet Union took the North and America took the South. And we're, like, trying to decide what to do with this country. And the two sides couldn't agree what to do with the country, so it got separated into the North and South. And the Korean War happened, where the USSR, China, and North Korea battled South Korea and the USA. They fought for a few years. And then they just kind of agreed to stop after, like, three million people died. And they're like, whatever, let's just make it two countries. And... The Soviet Union installed Kim Il-sung as the first leader. And at this point, uh, once uh, Stalin died, uh, Kim Il-sung was like, well, I'm, I'm done with Marxist co uh, communism. We've got a better idea. So we are going to create uh, Jushi Socialism which is, uh, Jushi is a Korean word for, like, fending for yourself, and socialism, we know what that is. So, um, the metaphor 
is that, yes, things were bad, you know, under, I guess, uh, the Soviet Union or whatever, but then Kim Il-sung is Pulkasari, and now that you've gotten rid of them, it's like, hey, things really suck now. Or Japan could have been the king. Japan, Soviet, whichever you want to put in there, represents the king, and Kim Jong-il represents Pulgasari. So it's like, yeah, things sucked under Japan slash Soviets, but when the Kims took over, you really it really sucked. Like, it's even worse, so... Yes. Yeah. Now the fate of old Shin and Choi. They are both dead. <laughs> but it's uh, it's a happy ending. Don't worry. Um, so they had earned the trust of Kim, and they were allowed to go travel and like scout film locations, go to film festivals, and they convinced him to let them go to Vienna for a film festival. And they managed to like ditch their security detail. They took a cab. The security detail followed them in the cab. The security detail got stuck by a freaking red light. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, you know, the South Koreans got stuck in traffic. They got out and they just booked it to the U.S. Embassy where they were granted asylum. And uh, they went on to live in Virginia and then later Los Angeles. Choi did not act ever again, but Shin went on to direct and produce he, well, he went on to direct one movie and produce two more. And you may have heard of them. That's right. The Three Ninjas Trilogy. Really? <laughs> yeah. He directed the second one and produced the other two. So there's a wrestling tie-in with uh, Hulk Hogan. Yeah, sure enough, man. And after wow. that, yeah. After that, the couple returned to South Korea. Shin, di- Shin uh, died in South Korea in 06 from liver complications. At 79, and Choi died of natural causes in 2018 at age 91. And mm. uh, like I said, if it wouldn't piss off North Korea and they'd hack us again, which I'll be honest, I know a thing or two about cybersecurity. It's kind of my job. North Korea's hacking skills are not that great. Hollywood was just very ill-prepared for that. Oh, very so, much so. So, um, But hey, now we all know that Channing Tatum writes emails like an idiot, so that's awesome. Yeah, what was the other big one? It was um, uh, Gal Gadot made a lot less for Wonder Woman or something like that. But something like uh, that. I'm sure she's doing okay now, so that's good. But yeah, uh, yeah it, it was a bunch of weird leaked emails. But yeah, I mean, like now Russia or um, who are the Russia and China are are the big hackers. You, them you don't want to mess with. Which uh, you know China and North Korea are BFFs, so probably. Uh, this movie may not be able to be made in, uh, or released in China. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Quentin Tarantino could do it. He could come back out of retirement do one more movie. I'm sure mm-hmm. he would appreciate this story. And, you know, he didn't want uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood released in China because they want him to cut out the scene where Bruce Lee gets beat up. And he's like, to hell with you guys. <laughs> oh, yeah, he did. He told that on uh, Rogan, right? I think so, yeah. So that was cool. So, yeah, I mean, if you just released it in, like, America, you know, I think that would make a hell of a movie. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, it's, uh, this, the story of this is much less damning than, uh, what was it, the interview? <laughs> like, yeah. Where they literally blew up their leader, so they didn't appreciate that one. Um, yeah. 
And by the way, uh, in North Korea, Shin and Choi were just erased from history, and it's like their names have been stripped on all the credits of their movies, so they don't they, exist they anymore. Ben- yep. So yeah, they they got Benwad then. Essentially, yes. So, yeah, they are gone from the history books, so that's the only... We don't know what, like, Kim Jong-il's official reaction was, but the fact that they've been erased immediately, that kind of tells you. I'm going to say not good. Uh, probably not. I mean, he, you know, the man loved his movies and, you know, carried on to his son. His son's a big pop culture guy, too, so... Yeah. I mean, I just wonder if we could end the war... Not the war, it's not really a war, but the, the conflict with North Korea, if we just invited, like, Kim Jong-un over and just, like, let him go to Disneyland and, you know, let him tour, like, the the, the movie lots, like Fox Fox movies or, or Universal Studios or, you know, Paramount and, you know, just, like, let him go to, like, a Chicago, like, like a Lakers game or something, let him sit courtside next to LeBron and be like, see, we're not so bad, you know, maybe... Maybe we could use pop culture to so, to mend some fences. I mean, look, the the country kidnapped two people just to make a, a movie because <laughs> yeah. their movies were bad. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like, I don't know. I mean, they are evil geniuses, but they also seem to be easily influenced. I don't know. Yeah. That's a thought, but... Yeah, man, that's the story of Pulgasari and the way it was made, and uh, I just wish... I know there's books about the making of this movie, but I wish there was a movie about the making of this movie, because it's... You'll never find a movie made under crazier circumstances. I mean, once you throw in kidnapping, it's, you know... And then you end with... Like, you go from kidnapping, and then you end with uh, Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain. I mean... (laughs) <laughs> that's a, that's quite the roller coaster. <laughs> yes, quite quite the uh, quite the roller coaster for sure. I guess I mean this movie wasn't good. I'm gonna give this a <laughs> four out of ten. Yeah, I, I mean, look, and it's funny because like looks wise and the aesthetics and everything, it's like if this were made in the '60s or early '70s, it's like yes, Pulgasari would look exactly like how. Uh, Godzilla looks and all in his villains, but this mm-hmm. was made in the mid '80s, and I know it's only like a 12-year difference. But if you watch Godzilla 1985, he looks way better than he did in like say Godzilla versus Gigan, and where it's like when people laugh like, oh, Godzilla's clearly a guy in a rubber suit. Like by '85, I mean he still was a guy in a rubber suit, but like he looked better, and this was like. I mean, obviously, their technology in North Korea is not that of Japan, so, yeah. Um, I mean, as far as a movie, I can't say it's so bad it's good, but I would, I'll give it a 3 out of 10. Um, I mean, it's it's a quick watch. It's a, like not even an hour and a half, or I guess it's a little longer than 95 minutes. Um, there are some funny moments, but... It's more about the historical aspect of it, and the fact that I can't find some of the other movies, like Runaway with the blown up train. I think that'd be funny. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that would be my grade on the movie, uh, a three. But I, I think Godzilla would uh, just absolutely wipe Pulgasari. <laughs> like it wouldn't even be close. Yeah. 
I uh, have some breaking news for the Hero Cast, and it's that, uh, well, you know this already, but we had discussed, because I was like, I'm going to go see Snake Eyes, and we had, uh, yeah, I brought up the point, uh, put the uh, contention in, and uh, we have determined that G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra, G.I. Joe Retaliation, and G.I. Joe Origins, Snake Eyes, are all three, um, they all three fit the criteria and thus have been added to the list. That's right, and we will we'll do an in-depth review on Snake Eyes, and what did I say, August of 2023, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just got bored and just was, like, calculating, but uh, we can do a little mini-review now, maybe a little... Yeah. Some spoilers, but, you know, nothing... Not... Well, I, yeah, I'm going to give something big away, so if you want to... If you don't want to know anything, then just, uh, you know, watch the movie, then continue listening, but... Uh, yeah. I... So the first two G.I. Joe movies, I wasn't super big on. It just felt like generic good guys versus bad guys trying to take over the world, and they slapped G.I. Joe on it to sell more tickets. But yeah. I think with this uh, this origin stuff, I think they might be onto something. I, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's like it wasn't like a great movie, but it was some good action. And it's like, in the first two G.I. Joe movies, it's like Snake Eyes, his character is ninja who looks cool whereas now he's got some 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 character development you understand his rivalry with storm shadow which i actually thought was done really really well and and yeah i i i thought it was cool and i was like you know fantasy booking i'm like you know they could do like a couple more of these you know do one with sergeant slaughter that'd be fun and then (laughs) they could do another one like uh, split it up like here's uh, you could do another one with roadblock and bring the rock back if you want and then you could do, you know, like Duke and Lady J slash Cobra Commander and Destro. And then, like, kind of like a mini Avengers. Like, and then we build up and now it's G.I. Joe vs. Cobra. And, you know, it's not going to gross a billion dollars, but it, you know, you could build up to something and it would be, uh, it would be kind of fun. But yeah, I enjoyed it. It was a, it was a fun movie. And the, my, my, like I said, the favorite part. Storm Shadow, the heel turn, it made perfect sense, and mm. I loved it, and I like when heel turns make great sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I just really like the moment when the girls all lined up and next to each other. <laughs> girls get it done. <laughs> girls get it done, man. Uh, <laughs> no, this movie, this was good. This was good, I thought, anyway. Um I look forward to, I hope we get another, whether it's an Origins movie or a continuation of what Snake Eyes has going on or whatever, whatever you must. I'm excited. Yeah, like I said, I, I think they might be onto something with these these Origins because with G.I. Joe, you know, I watched the cartoon, not a ton, but a little bit, but the characters really weren't that well, um, they, there wasn't a lot to them. Yeah. So I think if you give them a little bit of a backstory and then put them all in a movie, you know, like I said, I think that could be cool. And, you know, this, the Sergeant Slaughter one would be kind of nostalgic and Rock could be Roadblock and people like Rock. And then, you, like I said, you build up to, like, uh, eventually down the line, a Cobra versus G.I. Joe movie. And could be kind of interesting, I suppose. So, yeah, I, yeah. I enjoyed it. Well, you saw yeah. Old, too. What did you think of Old? Old, um, okay, so, full disclosure, I went to this expecting and flat out hoping for something as bad as The Happening. 
Um, I was pleasantly surprised. I'm not going to say this was even, like, good. I would say it was mediocre. But I was surprised. There was, There is one scene, and I'm going to give you the quote. It's not going to make sense without context, but in proper context, it is hilarious. And the line is, huh, we were just playing. Uh, watch the movie to figure out the context behind it and uh, have yourself a chuckle. Um, at times, there is one character, by the way, that speaks pretty much purely in exposition. And that, that was kind of, uh, uh, it's a bit much, you know. Yeah, I might see it just because... If you have, if you have nothing else on, go ahead, it's not going to hurt you. Yeah, I might see it, only because, like, movies like that, even though I'm probably going to be let down, ultimately, I'm yeah. just so intrigued, like, what's the secret behind Old Beach? Like, why do they get old all of a sudden? And mm-hmm. I could just as easily ask you offline, but that's not yeah. as fun. I, I kind of want to be, like, in the happening, it's like, what's happening? Why is all this going on? And then eventually it's like, oh, the plants kill them, that sucks. But... You know, sometimes those twists are good. Sometimes it's, I see, you know, Bruce Willis is dead. And it's like, whoa, that was a big twist. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes their plants did it. And so hopefully I'll, I might see it just to see what the big twist is. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I recommend it. Um, Let's see here. Next week I plan on going to see Stillwater. And there's something else coming out this week. Well, next week I will be on vacation. Nice. So be I'll go. What is it? Let me try and get this right because it's very hectic vacation. It's a um, um, Atlanta for just a day to go. I mean, I'm close to like Florida, Georgia, right on the same you know same area basically, and. I'm pretty sure any time you fly to Florida, you have to go through Atlanta on a layover. That's, I think that's the law. Uh, so I'm going to Atlanta. I'm like, you know what? I'll go back to Truist Park. It was great. I'd like to try it again and you know see it see it one more time. I mean, so, it's too bad we suck now, but yeah. Yeah. Wait, what? I said it's too bad we suck now. Oh. Well, yeah, so do so do we. But, uh, so yeah, that'll be Sunday. So it's uh, Braves and, oh, geez, Phillies, I think. Or no, that's, sorry, that's uh, Saturday, not Sunday. So yeah, Braves and I think Phillies. I don't know, you can double check. I'm not sure. If it and then Sunday game and they played the Phillies on Saturday, then yeah, it'd be the Phillies again. Okay, so it's the Phillies. And it's, uh, it's Hank Aaron Day, so... It's a good thing they had the All-Star Game in Atlanta to honor Hank Aaron. That was nice. Uh-huh. Of course. And then Sunday, going to Miami for the Marlins-Yankees. Very not confident about that win, even though the Marlins suck. But that'll be the 27th ballpark that I've been to. And then Monday is Tampa, which will be the 28th ballpark I've been to. And it's funny. Yeah. Atlanta, by far, was the most expensive Uh Miami was not cheap, but also not expensive. Uh, Tampa, I did not even get the cheapest tickets, and I still consider those very cheap. So that's uh, that's kind of what uh, the Rays are working with. And uh, it's like, God, um, 
I, I ha- the reason I held off on Tampa because I got family in near Orlando. It's like I could have gone there whenever, but it's like I was hoping they'd get a new stadium, but it just doesn't seem like it's happening anytime soon. So might as well just get it over with. And then Texas is September, and then I'll have all thirty done. Nice, nice. And then you got to go to Vegas. Oh, when they get a team, yeah, probably. Yeah. Or Montreal. Yes. Portland or, you know, where Charlotte, Nashville, I don't know, wherever else. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I want to say oh. – oh, go ahead. No, I went to AEW this past week. Uh, did you? Oh, I didn't see any photos, so I forgot to ask. Yeah, I uh, yeah didn't take any pictures, but I had a good time, had a good time. Uh, first show post vaccine, uh, you know, lively crowd, good times, man. Had a good, pre- pretty good angle. Um, yeah, it was death, a good show. Death match was awesome. Mm-hmm. Did you throw a bunch of stuff in the ring? Uh, no, but I should have. <laughs> Even though that's bullshit com- uh, coming from uh, Dave Meltzer. I'll be honest, I don't really have a take on that. It's just like, all right. I typically, typically nine times out of ten, I would say, hey, don't do that. GCW is the exception because, like, if you saw what Cardona was going, what Cardona engaged, the kind of bumps they were taking, it's like they're getting, like, stabbed in the face with things. They can handle being pelted with a beer can. Yeah. I mean, look, if, if you know, a couple weeks ago in, in soccer, a Mexican player got hit with a bottle in the head and got a concussion. If something like that did happen, we'd probably all be having a different tone. But yes. I, I no mean, one's hurt. Yeah, he got – we got – they got fortunate. It was fortunate, so that was that was okay. I just don't really have a strong opinion on it. I I did laugh though when people were like, the one of the hottest angles ever had trash thrown in the ring. See, and it's like, the, of course, the NWO, and it's like they show the picture, and it's like, oh, it was paper cups and like wadded up pieces of paper, dude. No one's getting hurt or empty bottles. Like, yeah, no one's getting hurt from that. Like, someone could Ooh. have gotten hurt from this. Thankfully, no one didn't, so it's not a big deal. There's but, like, one. You know. there, there's one instance I really want you to see if you haven't before. When Bully Ray was revealed as the leader of Aces and Eights. Uh, that I mean, was I remember a, watching that pay-per-view. I don't remember exactly here's the what thing. happened. But that was a cage that, match. It, it was a cage match, yes. People were pelting beer cans into the ring, over the cage. That's pretty good. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I don't have a, a strong... Uh, a strong take on the GCW thing. So yeah, that's the thing. I never watched GCW uh, just because like a lot of their guys I haven't heard of, and beyond like if they're gonna have something special like last night, I maybe I was considering because of Cardona, but beyond that, I've never really been compelled to watch a GCW show. Um, yeah. I did actually. Uh, I went to Spring Break two in 2018. Which that had, hear me out, a match between two hosses of Walter and PCO. Ooh, that'd be good. It was really good, dude. Walter, or PCO's chest was black by the time the match was over. Oh, I do remember seeing that photo. Yeah. I yeah. remember that. That was good. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm okay with death matches like uh, Lance Archer and Moxley had. And not so much the death matches that uh, Cardona and um, 
Nick Gage. Gage. That's a whole other level. Yeah. Like I, all yeah. that super violence where the dudes are just drenched in blood. I, I'm out. On yeah. That. But if you like it, good. I, I mean, I don't, I don't care. So there was one instance of, uh, and I'm assuming this was gimmicked because uh, in ROH in like 2006, Colt Cabana and Homicide had a street fight, and Homicide poured bleach, quote unquote, <laughs> down Colt Cabana's throat. I would hope that's gimmicked. Else he'd be dead. I would assume it was just water in a bleach bottle, but yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, well, do you have anything else? Because I have uh, one rant to go on before we end up, uh, uh, wrap up. I have nothing else. I want to get dinner. Okay. Well, I'll make this rant pretty quick. Um, okay. This is uh, NFL related. Uh, so I'll say this. Let me let me start by agreeing with the players on one thing. I agree it's dumb that you have to forfeit games if, if you have an outbreak on your team. That I agree with. I don't think they sh- we should be doing that. That being said, like, it's insane to me that you have players who, like, here's the thing. Sometimes in life you just have to do things you don't want to do. Like, I, I since March I've spent $2,800 on plumbing. I didn't want to do any of that. Some of it was routine plumbing. Some of it was a, a leaky uh, toilet. But, uh, you know, one, he's going to have to, it's just bad luck that it all happened this year. But it's like, you know, it happened. It's bad luck. Whatever. I didn't want to do it, but you have to. That's life. And these these players who get cortisone shots to play on, like, busted legs or knees or shoulders, and it's like, they'll do that. Where it's like, if even though the pain, even though the cortisone erases the pain, if you still get hit there, it still causes further damage. That they don't mind, but like this vaccine, it's like, oh, we can't do that. Like it's just, it's insane to me. And, it, and I, I actually looked it up. I was like, how many people have died from taking this vaccine? That everybody keeps saying, oh, people have died, people have died. So out of 187 million Americans who have taken the vaccine, do you want to guess how many have died? You said 187 million? That was about the figure I saw, yes. Less than one. It was more than one, but it was three. <laughs> three people out of that many apparently died because of the vaccine. And maybe they had conditions where they should not have taken the vaccine. I don't know. I couldn't find anything on that. But it's like... More people die every year from taking aspirin. And it's like, we really going to be concerned with three out of 187 million? Yes, it's sad, but like, that's Wait, such... wait, wait. You pick three. Three is in one, two, and three people, not not yeah, three people. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So when people say, oh, I know people who have died taking the vaccine, either you know one of the three people or you're lying. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's what, that's what I looked up, and that's what I saw. And... It's like, I don't know. It's like, if, you know, here's the thing. I mean, and you say, well, what about long-term effects? We don't know. Yes, there could be something long-term. We don't know. But you know what? And you can call me a sheep if you want. That's fine. I just have a feeling that these brilliant scientists who invented this vaccine probably thought, hey, 
let's make sure that down the line this can't harm somebody. I'm pretty sure they probably checked that. That just seems like something that they would check. And you know what? I'm pretty sure these 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 scientists who created this vaccine are a lot smarter than me and a lot smarter than DeAndre Hopkins. Just a thought, you know? So maybe that makes me a sheep, whatever, fine. Then... It's just, it's like, instead of bitching about it, DeAndre, if you'd have gotten the shot on July 1st, you'd be fully vaccinated by now. Think about that. And instead, it's like, well, maybe I'll just quit the NFL. It's like, dude, are you serious? Because of this, this shot. Like, it, it, I don't get it. I really don't get it. And who was the other one? Uh, like, Terrell Pryor was considering a comeback, and he had a workout scheduled with a team. Probably the Jaguars. I wonder why. But... He's like, well, they want me to get a vaccine, but I just don't know about that. It's like, dude, this is such a non-issue. Like, just get it. Like, the worst side effect I'd heard of that I know is a guy had the chills for eight hours, and then the next day was fine. Or you might be like me and not have any side effects. I didn't have any after either. I didn't have a headache, didn't get tired. I was fine. So, I don't know. It's just insane to me. That these players are just like, like the the offensive line coach from the Vikings. He just lost his job because of this. It's like, dude, what are you guys doing? It's such not a big deal. And yes, I know no one likes being told what to do. And yeah, I know, forfeiting games is stupid. And yes, I don't think they should be testing vaccinated players who are asymptomatic. I don't think that makes any sense. But like, my God, just get the vaccine. It's not a big deal. And now... You might forfeit games from it, which I don't agree with, but, dude, if uh, if my team, I mean, we got four games against, we got four games, two against the Jags, two against the Texans, assuming Deshaun Watson doesn't play, which I can't even assume at this point anymore, but assuming he doesn't, those are four easy wins in my book, and it's like, if we had to forfeit one of those games because freaking Derrick Henry or someone didn't get the vaccine, I'd be livid. Okay, so that's just something I had to get off my chest. These NFL players, it's beyond insane what they're doing. Like, oh, it's just I might quit the league. Like, dude, it's not a big deal. Just go get it. It's two shots. You can go to any grocery store and get it, or you can just get the Johnson and Johnson get one shot and you'll be done. Yeah, you could. Although <sighs> you do need to be careful because they're. I mean, I don't know. You hear about potential like heart inflammation which by the way is not good yeah i don't know i I just i had to get it off my chest because these players are just driving me crazy and it's like this is the biggest like i hate to use such a juvenile insult but it's like you guys are just being big babies at this point like just go do it (laughs) quit bitching and just go do it it's not a big deal (laughs) like what is the freaking problem yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Ugh. Well, I'll tell you what. Maybe the Texans did win that trade with Arizona if he does retire. Maybe. I mean. And, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's time. You got anything else to add? No, nah, I just had to get that out there because it was pissing me off. And, uh, you know, I like I said, parts of it I agree with. The forfeit is dumb, but, you know. And and the testing of asymptomatic vaccinated players is is dumb. I, you know, I know they can still spread it. I know, but like, oh well. Like, are we gonna are we gonna do this forever? Like, let's just quit living like this and move on. 
Yeah. But no, we got to eliminate the risk of zero. Yeah, you can't have a zero risk. Just stop. Like, my God, the Yankees have like a bunch of players on COVID and they're all asymptomatic. Like, what what are we doing? <laughs> it's yeah. annoying. But you know, I, I don't know. But that part I agree with, and luckily I think the NFL changed it to their testing vaccinated players every other week. It's it's, it's a step in the right direction, so I'll give them that. Yeah. And again, don't like them forfeiting games, but it's like, just get the damn shot. It's such not a big deal. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I don't know. But hey, I reckon it's time we get out of here, right? I agree, and uh, I don't have a quote because the movie was in Korean, but it was dubbed in Japanese with English subtitles. Um, I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know. Do you have like a Kim Jong-il quote from Team America World Police? Uh, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but... So run, re. There you go. Yeah, just be as as xenophobic as possible. Um, well, I, I don't mind making fun of him. Well, he's dead, which is good. And, yeah. uh, you know, hey, yeah. maybe we can save his son and we'll, we'll we'll try and win him over with pop culture. That's a great idea. Hey, guys, thank you for listening and God bless you. And thank you to the dear leader. <laughs>